0: Bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragu. We're glad you can join us here at The New American. We take the most important news stories, sift out the propaganda and bring you the truth. And for that, we're one of the most censored publications in America. So if you enjoy our show, please share these episodes with the others. Now, Jeffrey Epstein's brother recently gave a lengthy interview explaining why he went from believing the official story that his brother committed suicide to realizing that the government likely killed his brother. Also, the Biden White House has been bragging about the latest surprisingly good jobs report. But like all things connected to this administration, the truth is not what we're told it is. We're going to look at those stories. Plus, Rebecca Terrell joins us to discuss how the people of South Dakota are working to preserve their rights. But first... It's a new year, but the same old story. Once again, it looks like the so-called congressional leadership has hammered out a deal to continue funding the federal government at reckless levels while avoiding a shutdown. On Sunday, new House Speaker Mike Johnson, together with Senate leaders, announced a new $1.59 trillion spending bill aimed at avoiding a looming government shutdown. Contrary to everything House GOP firebrands have been promising, the measure does nothing to address the ongoing chaos on the southern border. This explains why Biden and the Democrats are celebrating what they rightly perceive as another win over spineless House Republican sellouts. The House Freedom Caucus has already announced their opposition to the measure. They've pointed out, for example, that the real spending level in the new measure is closer to one point six five eight trillion dollars, which makes the deal a total failure. The measure's passage is complicated by the fact that a number of GOP House members are absent this month due to resignations or for medical reasons, and that there are actually two government shutdown dates corresponding to the two different funding tiers established by the most recent continuing funding resolutions. What's also being discussed is whether any policy writers will be attached to either of the two funding bills, especially with regard to the border situation. Here are Congressman Chip Roy of Texas and French Hill of Arkansas with more on funding as it relates to the border.
2: Congress should use its power to force change. That's what I'm telling Speaker Johnson and my Republican colleagues to do, to hold the funding and to use it to force an administration that is ignoring the law to do their job. I believe that we need to pass H.R. 2 or we need to withhold funding until we get it.
3: Congressman Hill, obviously HR two was passed by the House some time ago. It was dead on arrival in the Senate yen. Yeah, I would imagine it's then it's I would imagine it's not that different now. So what will the House settle for if HR two is a non-starter for the Senate in the White House? Well, I was pleased to go to the border last week with Speaker Johnson. That was my eighth trip to the border, my second trip down to Eagle Pass. And what Chip Roy is saying is true. The ideal set of policy changes are contained in HR two but we don't have 60 votes for HR2 uh, in the Senate. So my priorities are reforming the definition of credible fear and reforming the asylum process and the catch and release process. These are policy decisions that Joe Biden made on January 20th, 2021. They're not funding decisions per se, they're policy decisions. And what Chip Roy and I definitely agree on is getting our power, the power of the purse, to compel policy changes from the president or the most important thing we can do. The question is, will we, how many Republicans will we get? We won't get them all. Let's be realistic. We're not going to get every Republican to support uh, these efforts. But Joe Biden recognizes that he has to do something to correct his failing, fledgling policies on the border. Uh, and you hear that from Democrat mayors. You hear it from Democratic senators. So he knows he has a political problem. And this is a top priority for Republicans in the House. So I hope, there's credible compromise available here to get this done.
1: Jeremy, this today's stories is executive senior editor of the New American, Steve Bonta. Steve, um, the Republicans, it doesn't sound like they're treating this as the national security problem that it is. Why are they not on board? Is it that bad to shut down the government over this? Because they're saying national security, if we uh, will have those kinds of problems, if we shut down the government, we have national security problems now with the border. Do we not? It's. First of all, you know, there,
4: there, there are two clear camps in the Republican Party, as there have been for a long time in Congress. And one is, gee, we can't do anything if the Senate doesn't work with us. And, and that's essentially what, what Representative Hill was saying. And when he uses a word, uh, this, this popular phrase, dead on arrival, it has this sense of, you know, of semantic form- uh, finality to it. Oh, dead on arrival. That means... We can't do anything, right? You know, you know, rhetorical. Yes, that's how we keep losing, right? Sure. And you know, I mean, Chip Roy is has a very different perspective. He points out, rightly, we have the purse strings in the house. All we have to do is simply say we are not going to pass this funding bill. Now, in this case, the politics or the numbers are a little unclear. If the Democratic Caucus obviously decided in mass that they were going to vote in favor of it. For some reason, then that would deny the thirty odd malcontents that make up the Freedom Party and the people who are opposed to this, yeah. or at least, are voicing their displeasure with it, would deny them the power, the leverage that they had. For example, in in the Kevin McCarthy situation, mm-hmm. where they were they were able to to in effect get him removed, because you know if all the Democrats plus only ten or fifteen or twenty or forty Republicans vote for it, then it's passed. Okay. However, um, that doesn't detract from the fact that, that, that in Washington, the one thing that no one wants to talk about except for the few firebrands on, on the edge is actually shutting down the government. You can't do that, okay? Never mind the fact that for much of the early history of the republic, the government shut down every year for a large part of the year. The, the representatives went to Washington for a certain period of time, did the legislation they need to do, and then they went home and the government, in effect, was shut down. Right. But now, you know, the only time it's quote-unquote shut down or put on hold is when they take a vacation. The idea is now the government is this permanently operative corporation that never shuts down yeah. and never sleeps. And and, and and so the idea that anyone would would seriously contemplate saying, OK, we're simply not going to pass the bill okay, until you do something, in this case, about the southern border, Otherwise, the funding ain't there. And th- th- this is viewed as, as her- heresy and anathema by what to about, even a majority of Republicans. So clearly, even Mag, Hill, whatever Mag his other mer- merits may, may be, it's very clear that, that is that this is his posture. That well, we we can't consider clo- actually holding the government hostage. That's another term yes, they like to use. They throw right? that around. And since we don't have those sixty votes in the Senate, well, golly, fellas, I it guess we're no just going to have to do something else instead and give up on that issue.
1: What, what do you make of Mike Johnson's leadership here? He, uh, what role did he play? And are there murmurings? Are there grumblings that Mike Johnson is turning out to be a replica, as it seems to me, of Mike uh, of, uh, of Kevin McCarthy? Well, I'm not surprised. You know, the numbers don't lie. We have
4: compiled a significant dossier on him and his voting record, as we have with Kevin McCarthy and everybody else in the House and everyone else in the Senate in our Freedom Index. And the Freedom Index showed when he was sworn in, despite all the points, talk about how he's going, you know, MAGA Jr. And he's this this, this Christian conservative family values guy who's... Uber constitutionalist. Uber, all this stuff. But the actual voting records showed he was like a little better than Kevin McCarthy, who typically was in the mid-70%, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, he's like typically in the low to mid-80s. But he's not one of these, he's no Jim Jordan. And there's a reason, and we said this at the time, there's a reason that, that whatever else happens, we're not going to let Jim Jordan become the Speaker of the House because he's a guy that can be trusted to be, to be faithful to his oath of office. And clearly... Uh, Johnson is looking shaping up to be another one of the you know the end uh, the endless supply of Paul Ryan esque nice guys that the Republicans seem Bayner, to you, can Paul always Ryan. try yeah Boehner and Ryan always be these nice guys. Uh, that can be counted on to fold when it matters most.
1: But I'd imagine with Mike Johnson, it might be different. The fact that he's not necessarily a swamp rat, as it seems like he's just maybe naive or easily manipulated. Well, uh, that's 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 just as bad. I mean,
4: the the end is is the result, right? Right. And if a person has a temperament, I mean, I don't know how I do if I were in Capitol Hill. I like getting along with people too, and that 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 that's that that can be maybe a, a, an admirable trait in interpersonal relationships. But it's not so admirable when you have made an oath of office to stand to certain principles that are often unpopular, even with the majority.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that cudgel of getting along and compromise is something that comes from the left all the time. And they always accuse when when they don't get their way, when the country has any chance of getting off the suicidal trajectory. They say that the Republicans don't want to get along and they don't want to compromise. Thanks, Steve. Uh, We're going to keep an eye on this. And after this, the latest document dump has prompted Jeffrey Epstein's brother to publicly declare that his brother was killed by the government. In
0: 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the US, unknown agents from around the world using the Southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of Control. Immigration Invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com
1: slash outofcontrol. for more non-propaganda news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, make sure you have a subscription to our twice monthly print edition of The Magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth and accurately projecting policy and cultural trends since 1985. We are the official magazine of the John Birch Society, which was founded in 1958 to stop the new world order. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then hit subscribe on the drop down. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription. 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. Welcome back, folks. Last week, New York Federal Judge Loretta Prescott began releasing over 200 Jeffrey Epstein-related documents that include more than 150 names associated with a case filed by victim Virginia Jeffrey in 2014. Four batches of documents have come out since. The release of these documents has renewed public interest in a story with deeper and darker implications than the mainstream public realizes. Good independent journalists who've dedicated years to researching the Epstein saga make the case that the pedophile was an intelligence asset or agent who lured powerful people into compromising sexual situations with underage girls or boys and then recorded them. The videos are then allegedly used to bribe, manipulate, and control these people, many of whom are politicians. One of the ways these compromising videos are used is to affect policy. Tennessee Congressman Tim Burchett said this outright, that he believed many of his colleagues were compromised in this way. In July 2019, Epstein was arrested on federal sex trafficking charges. A month later, he was found dead in a federal jail cell in New York City. His death was ruled a suicide, which immediately triggered disbelief among everyone who knew better. One of the people who initially believed the suicide cover-up, but no longer does, is his brother, Mark. In a lengthy interview with Tucker Carlson, during which he did not show his face, Mark Epstein discussed his many unsuccessful efforts to get more information about his brother's death. He also discussed several reasons he believes his brother was killed. Here are just two of them. Do you think your brother killed himself?
5: Not now. No. No. When I first heard he was dead from suicide, I had no reason to doubt it, so I accepted that. But then after the autopsy, and after Bill Bob made that asinine statement, I said, this was not a suicide. The autopsy photographs show that the ligature mark on Jeff's neck is in the middle of his neck and goes straight back. As if someone put a rope around his neck and strangled him like Carlo in The Godfather in the car. Or
4: the electrical cord to
2: his seat Or the electrical
5: cord or or whatever was there. But it doesn't look like the fabric from a bedsheet.
2: So if um, it seems clear just from the photographs of his autopsy
6: that he was strangled with, say, a cord, wouldn't you test that cord for his DNA?
5: Yeah, nobody seems to know where that is. Also, the way they said he was hanging, and again, he had to be there for at least two hours. When you die, the blood in your body settles to the... Gravity takes the blood down to the lowest parts of your body, and they become blotchy from the uh, blood pooling under the skin. So the back of his legs and his buttocks should have what's called lividity. They should have this blotchiness, like, bruising uh, look on the back of his legs and his buttocks. Autopsy photographs show that his legs are clean and clear.
1: In this interview, Mark Epstein also says that before he died, his brother was not crestfallen, he believed his upcoming bail hearing would free him, and he had no reason to kill himself. Mark Epstein believes the government killed his brother.
4: We wind up with a high-profile inmate in the most secure federal facility in the country's largest city who was somehow murdered,
2: clearly with the knowledge of the Justice Department and the Attorney General of the United
4: States lies about it, which he did. And there's no reason to do that except to cover up the crime so what does that what does that tell us about this
5: oh it's a scary thought that you could be killed in prison by the government
1: the epstein story could have blown up years earlier if it weren't for powerful people like bill clinton allegedly threatening reporters the recent document dump includes allegations such as this after learning that vanity fair was going to report on epstein's prostitution and pedophilia racket the former president stormed into the office and threatened staffers not to publish anything against his quote, good friend. This was likely not an altruistic outburst fueled by sympathy for a friend. Documents show that Clinton visited Epstein's Petal Island and flew with Epstein numerous times. Documents include a witness who was told by Epstein that Clinton liked his girls young. All right, Steve, I'm going to bring you back in here. Uh, there's an interesting article. Uh, that Gateway Pundit did with former representative uh, Madison Cawthorn. I think I said his name right. And he talks about these honeypot traps that the government has been working for a long time. And he describes them in great detail how they work. It sounds like the government is just like this sophisticated gang, like this mafia gangster tactics. What do you make of everything we just we just reported here?
4: Yeah, no. I mean, I've never believed that that Epstein, Epstein was or Epstein was was uh, committed suicide. It was very obvious from the beginning that he was suicided, and this is not the first time that things like this have happened either. I'm old enough to remember the the, the infamous Clinton body count uh, mm. of the 1990s and and well into this this century. It was compiled when the Clintons were actually in the White House. A large number of close associates of them theirs. Died mysteriously by various accidents, like Ron Brown, Commerce Secretary, went down in a, in a jet, a mysterious jet crash in the Balkans. Allegedly, after telling Bill Clinton that he was going to turn on him in the areas, uh, Vince Foster White, one of the White House lawyers was found dead of a, a, a supposed gunshot wound, suicides, ultimately a gunshot wound, wow. in, a, in a park in Washington, D.C., under very mysterious circumstances. And Hillary Clinton and various other people apparently raided his office and got a bunch of papers out right after that happened, for which they were never... had. The, and there, was a, there were, like, dozens of people. Uh, one of the people who worked in his campaign was literally gunned down execution style in the streets of Little Rock, and he, he was deemed somebody that might have known more about... About his mm-hmm. his various amorous entanglements and who knows what, but he's on and on. And of course, nowadays the Clinton body count is derided as an early internet conspiracy theory. You know, it, it was a it was an urban legend that was stirred yeah. up and, and on. And much the same will be said of Epstein in a few more years, once the once the Overton window has been shifted again and the narrative has been ha- has been appropriately set. We're going to be told the same about people who are who are making these asseverations about Epstein's death. It's very clear what happened. Um, it's not at all <clears throat> uncommon for people who are sophisticated in the craft of,
1: of murder for hire
4: yeah. to make murders look like an accident. Uh, well, you know, uh, that's,
1: the fact know, that they were down. able to kill somebody, such a high-profile prisoner in, a, in, in jail... Indicates that yeah, the video cameras just
4: happened to to malfunction, and and all these little interesting things just happened to be the case, and he just happened to die at exactly the right time when nobody was watching. Yes.
1: Okay. And yeah. Yeah. What are the chances? I want to go back to this whole Clinton threatening reporters. This points uh, to you know you were talking about the Overton window. At some point, it's going to get back. I, I hope you're wrong. I hope we have opened the door and we've reached a point of no return where people realize. The just the level and the degree of corruption and and diabolic motivations that are behind some of these people who who uh, you know who who are powerful who whether they're president or what what not but this is how things like this are pep- perpetuated is one way or another the mainstream media is kept back from telling the true story whether it be from Clinton telling them or like Cheryl Atkinson and others many who spent years in uh, in mainstream. Uh, media they talk about how what happens is they'll write a story and then it's killed at the very top uh, so I hope you're wrong I hope that we don't go back that the Overton window isn't moved back to this matrix like uh, 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 deal where that's how we see only what they allow us to see and we think only what they allow us to think
4: yeah well uh, you know I, I, I as always I'd be happy to be <laughs> wrong but I mean I would also put this forth and we're gonna be talking about this later this week It's looking more and more like Trump is going to see the inside of a jail cell before too many more months, particularly in Georgia. And so what's going to happen to him once he's in the jail cell and this this kind of thing? I mean, I mean, you know, this is this is this is their stock in trade. This is what people like the Clintons do. These are people who are amoral, who are certainly who, who are comfortable with the idea of. People of doing what you have to do, yes, including getting rid of people that need to be gotten rid of. Mm-hmm. It's a a, a mindset that, that that we mere mundanes can't comprehend. But it, it is, exists. it is.
1: And that, and founder uh, JBS founder Robert Welch used to say that one of the reasons we had such a hard time getting people to believe was because they cannot fathom how evil some of this stuff is. Next up, hold that jobs report victory lap because it's not all it's cracked up to be.
0: Remember when the only uncertainty in the news was the weather forecast? And you could depend on your local newspaper to bring you the news with only a hint of bias. Nowadays, there's a deluge of news outlets striving for your attention, but surprisingly, all the narrative is from one direction. At The New American, we hold fast to the timeless truths of our founders and provide a refuge of honest reporting. Visit thenewamerican.com today and get 25% off your subscription.
1: The New American has just released our latest bookazine a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this Polish Collector's Edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. It turns out that the much-touted Biden recovery is largely smoke and mirrors. According to Fox News, Elizabeth McDonald, a careful look at last year's employment numbers shows that the Bureau of Labor Statistics quietly removed 439,000 claimed jobs created through the end of November 2023. This means that the number of new jobs that the Biden administration and its mainstream media echo chambers have been crowing about for months was grossly overstated. It also means that if the jobs actually created, a very high percentage were government and not private sector jobs. For example, out of the 216,000 total new jobs reportedly created in December, 52,000, almost one fourth of them, were government jobs. Overall, the government created an average of 50,000 new jobs in each month of the final quarter of 2023. And not only that, the number of new jobs in the healthcare sector, which is heavily subsidized by government, was 59,000 in December. This means that at least half of the new jobs are either government or jobs critically dependent on government. Here's Steve Forbes on Fox Business. Well, the amazing thing is, when
2: you look at it, it becomes rather weird. The number of jobs cr- cr- were declined in the household survey, which is very good on small businesses, went down almost 700,000. The number of people in the workforce went down by almost 700,000. So you have to ask when you look at these numbers month to month, what is going on? Do they have a problem with seasonal adjustments or something else? Because to have a uh, the saying we created 200 plus thousand jobs but have a decline of 700,000 in the actual household survey, something doesn't give. And has been pointed out by many analysts is that uh, this jobs report shows a disproportionate Number of government jobs, healthcare jobs, which comes from the government. So it's not a very strong one when you go in the innards of the
1: thing, and a lot of weirdness working there. Here's something closer to the truth. Many of the jobs supposedly being created by Biden's policies are merely being reconstituted post-COVID. And it was the Biden administration's COVID policies that destroyed jobs in the first place. Moreover, a very sizable part of these supposed new jobs are non-productive. As government jobs, they're not creating wealth or participating in capital formation. Moreover, they're being paid for by the taxes of America's dwindling productive class. Here are a few statistics that tell the real tale. The manufacturing sector, one of America's most important sources of economic productivity and expansion, has been contracting for 14 straight months. U.S. labor force participation is currently at a historically low level of 62.5%. The same December jobs report claiming 216,000 new jobs also reveals that a whopping 683,000 workers dropped out of the labor force during that same period. 8.69 million people now hold down more than one job just to make ends meet. And the economy has lost more than 1.5 million full-time workers since last June, and it has added 796,000 part-time workers. These are not figures of a healthy economy. They're indicators of an economy and a country that is in steep, deep decline. This is something that everyone but the most rabid Democrat tribalists know very well, which is why Trump continues to soar in the polls. This kind of massaging of statistics is typical not only of the Biden administration, but of the Beltway spinmeisters and narrative molders in general. Most of the spinning the false economic narrative on Biden's behalf aren't affected by our economic depression. All right, Steve, I'm going to bring this in. That's a good point to maybe go into this the people who uh, who keep cheering this on uh, like we end up making the point is uh, they live off of government they're not affected they are so buffered from uh, from regular people
4: well I I would go I would say that as as the size of government rises they in fact do better and better because their Mm. services are more and more and more in demand you know in other words the 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 hordes of lobbyists swell in numbers and uh, obviously, the size of government spending and contracting increases. So that means more and more and more people are making more and more and more money off of us, us, the regular people. Right. And, and, and so and, and this can be sustained for a while. But, of course, in the long term, it's unsustainable and will lead to 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 absolute devastation. Ask anyone from Argentina how this works. I mean, in Argentina right now, something like 80% of everybody employed in Argentina works for the government at some capacity. How does but, that work? Well, this is something that, that the new president, Millet, is trying to change. But of course, you know, he's going to find it. He's already finding it very, very hard slogging because the, the entrenched elites don't want to let go of not just, their, not just their paychecks, but all the lavish retirement benefits and medical benefits and things of this nature that are, are, are typical um of, of 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 federal employees i mean a person who works for the government in the united states or any of of the sectors that are essentially extensions of same particularly universities okay enjoy unparalleled job security it's yeah. nearly impossible to fire a tenured professor at a university just as it's almost impossible to fire an entrenched federal employee who has carved out a niche and ha- has their you know their their, their little <clears throat> you know they're their little territory and they're all and and of course they've written themselves obviously all the federal employees the regulators have written all these regulations that conveniently make it very very difficult to fire them you can't just say you know what i'm laying you off today yeah. oh and by the way if congress decides it's going to uh, not pass a funding bill right away you'll get furloughed and being furloughed is not the same as being fired or laid off it means you don't get to work now and maybe you won't get a paycheck but once you come back to work, you get all that back pay, you'll get all the back pay plus interest. OK, name one other sector where where, where employees enjoy benefits of that level.
1: Well, how long can this continue? I mean, we mentioned that almost 40 percent. Did 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 we get that right of what is 62 percent of uh, that's where the productivity comes from 62 percent of the population? That's almost 40 percent who who aren't putting anything in.
4: Right, I don't know how that works. I mean, you know, the old the old canard that there are lies, damned lies, and statistics. I think is 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 appropriate here because the beauty of statistics statistics is that you can massage them, you can exclude. I mean, no one really knows how the Bureau of Labor Statistics generates Mm -hmm. many of these statistics, except the, the statisticians themselves. And we know from other statistically driven narratives that are politically convenient, like the climate change thing, for example how easy it is to make statistics say what you want them to say right right, right. and so and and also to con- to conceal things that you don't want to be known inconvenient truths like how few people actually do productive things nowadays and by productive I mean things that that measurably demonstrably add to America's overall pool of capital
1: assets that's how that's how economies grow in reality yes Okay. And you, you speak of these lies uh, by the statistics. What do you think the chances are, I mean, this, that people actually believe? I don't know anyone who believes, you know, when, when Biden got up there and he he crowed on about and talked about these great numbers. I, I, I don't know anybody who was like, oh, oh, that's good, because here I am looking around and, and the world is in shambles and my pay is in shambles and everything is expensive.
4: Well, I mean, you know, probably a lot of people say, Oh, well, you know, a bunch of smart people in Washington are saying this, so They must be whatever, right. But, but, Trust but, the but, experts. but for me, you know, I've been out of work for 16 months, can't get a job. You know, we, our, our car, we can't afford to get our car fixed. We have these issues. So I'm, I'm going to vote for the other guy, because for me personally, this isn't working. So, no. so if you have enough tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people who are saying, okay, well, maybe that's true, but for me it's not working, the aggregate <clears throat> spells you know, ideally a revolution at the ballot box.
1: So we'll right, see. right. This is the same lie because now he's going on and talking about gas prices. Well, it was his fault. They were high in the first place. This is how they work. Thank you, Steve. Hmm. After this, Rebecca Terrell joins us to discuss how the people of South Dakota are planning to preserve their property rights in 2024. <laughs>
0: Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know.
1: What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination.
0: The freer you are.
2: It's murder. They are basically murdering people in
3: hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the
7: unvaccinated group.
0: Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. Thenewamerican.com.
1: Private property owners filled the rotunda of South Dakota's Capitol building in Pierre yesterday as their state legislature began its new session. They braved tough winter weather to pack the rotunda and began the rally with prayer and the pledge and a quote from George Washington. Fifth generation family farmer and rancher Mark Lapka acted as master of ceremonies. He looked back on the past year of challenges that he and others like him faced, including 160 eminent domain cases against families and individuals, filed by private for-profit companies, companies that are heavily subsidized by the federal government. The state's Public Utilities Commission terminated their applications to install hundreds of miles of carbon capture pipelines throughout the state. So for now, property rights remain intact. However, not content with the characteristic fickleness of government bureaucrats, the citizens of South Dakota worked with their municipal and county boards to implement safeguards at the local level against the attempted land grabs. But as those county-level safeguards came under continual barrage of litigation, private citizens went to their state legislature for help to implement more permanent solutions. Lapka described the result during the previous session as a stalemate. They want to see a turnaround in the upcoming session. Here's Lapka kicking off the rally.
4: And what we're here for today is to fight for the people to keep their voice,
1: Other farmers and landowners gave their testimonies of personal experiences with carbon capture land grab attempts. County commissioners and state legislators addressed the crowd, too, during the hour-long rally. Republican John Hansen, who currently serves as Speaker pro tempore of the House of Representatives, spoke for all present.
6: And, you know, over the last year or so, it's been really hard to listen to these stories, to Jared's stories and others. It's maddening. It's frustrating. Summit Carbon Solutions has bullied their way into South Dakota like they own the place. That's just the reality. They have abused our farmers, they have sued our landowners, sued our counties, attempted to preempt our local elected officials' decisions. Not exactly the South Dakota way. All the while, trying to hold South Dakota agriculture hostage. Give us your land and bend to the demands of the climate activists or the same climate activists will destroy your industry. It's essentially what they said. But I'm here to tell you, South Dakota's ag economy is here to stay, and our family farmers and ranchers will continue to grow and thrive without bending the knee to the climate change agenda. Yep.
1: most importantly, South Dakota farmer Ed Fishbaugh issued a warning for landowners to take action
2: is because there will be a move on in the coming session starting tomorrow to remove our our uh, uh, rights as a local governing body from our county commissions who have adopted ordinances to protect our rights. Folks, if that attempt is successful, not only will that affect our counties. That will affect our township boards, what's next, school boards, city commissions, you name it. If we turn this over, the state is going to dictate to what each county and each local community is going to take. I think that's wrong and we're going down a slippery slope that we shouldn't be going down on right now. And if that's successful, let me throw this out to you. Why not just have the federal government then take over everything and dictate to all fifty states that we're going to all operate under one set of
7: rules? How does that sound?
1: New American Senior Editor Rebecca Terrell now joins us. Welcome, Rebecca.
7: Hi, Paul. Great to see you.
1: So you've been uh, keeping your post on this for for a while. Uh, it's it's encouraging to see people talk like that. They're at the legislature and they're determined to to keep their state sovereignty. Do they have big plans? Uh, This this coming legislature, it doesn't sound like they believe the threat is over, that's for sure.
7: And that's the thing that's so encouraging about this is they, they see this happening and, okay, they've had some victories along the way, especially that Public Utilities Commission denying mm-hmm. the permit applications of two companies, actually, and one of which has declared, okay, we're pulling out, we're not going to do this at all. Uh, that's Navigator uh, Summit, is the other one that's still in the fight. Um, but uh, they know we can't just leave this to a three-man board. Uh, of bureaucrats i mean we looked out this time but um, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance so you see that here um, now they uh, gathered together yesterday in the rotunda of the state capitol the new session actually starts today yesterday was just when you know legislators were getting there to be prepared but mm-hmm. there were a lot of legislators in the crowd uh, state representative Carla limbs acknowledged all of them they waved their hand it was a it was a crowd of about two between two and three hundred people Um, which is actually very significant considering the terrible uh, weather that they had. A lot of snow, a lot of uh, blizzard-like conditions and people still showed up. Um, And what Carla Lim's uh, outlined, they're going to be, she and other legislators in this session are going to be introducing three pieces of legislation. One, to mandate that there are no surveys without permission of the property owners regardless of any of any other conditions mm-hmm. uh, another one no condemnation suits filed against these landowners without a permit already being approved because see that's the way summit came in and filed like 160 condemnation lawsuits against private property owners who refused to sign voluntary easements if it's not voluntary why are you calling it voluntary this is so orwellian (laughs) and the third and the third piece of legislation that she promised is they are going to pass try to pass a bill that dictates no eminent domain for private use because these companies navigator summit and all the others that are that are planning to take advantage of government subsidies and and install these pipelines they are all um for-profit companies this is not you know they use this climate change you heard john Hansen say that about climate change yeah. they use climate change and say oh this is for the public good yeah well there is no public good if private property rights are thrown out the window
1: there's no public good if individual rights are just completely violated that makes no sense at, at all going back to this eminent domain deal Now, I was under the impression that eminent domain was something that only the government can do. And the fact that they have to draft legislation um, basically detailing and reinforcing the idea that that you can't do that. What is that? Am I missing something or is that what's happening here?
7: No, you're exactly right. That's their—that's one of their points. This is not a case of eminent domain. This is a case of private companies wanting to come in and take land from farmers and private property owners and install pipelines that they're going to be making profits off of. And let's just put it that, you know, one of the arguments that the um, carbon pipeline companies are using is to say, well, we have a super majority of, of landowners, property owners who've signed these voluntary easements, 70 percent. Well, OK, let's. Let's pretend like that's true, even though the farmers that I've talked to there say that's not true, especially right. because I mean, they wouldn't people... lie, would they? <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, but many people have been strong armed, you know, many, many people have been strong. Armed. So, but let's just throw it out there. Let's say 70% have signed. This is not this goes back to our fundamental reason for the existence of the John Birch Society. And that is to teach people and to operate on the principle that we are not a democracy, we are a republic, a rule of law rather than mob rule, which is Uh, the definition of democracy, right? Right. So even if 70% like this, if it violates the rights of one person, it is wrong. And in a republic, that one person is protected against that mob rule. Right. So this is a great lesson in that.
1: It is, it is. And uh, we've been harping on this for decades. Uh, The whole, we are not a democracy, we're a a republic. And we get lots of flack for it from mainstream, but I think a lot of people are coming to realize this. One of the most... Uh, outspoken people about this seems to have been one of the presidential candidates. Uh, so what can people do who want to get involved, Rebecca?
7: Well, it, follow the example of these farmers in South Dakota and realize we are next. The, it might be in South Dakota now. It's That's our, consider that your threshold. <laughs> they are coming for our private property rights. So get involved now, get in, get in touch Before with your state late. legislatures. Right.
1: Exactly. Get involved. Go to JBS.org. We have lots of ways to do that. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. And please join us again tomorrow for another episode.